You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here's a swing, a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. From Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village, welcome to the second 2020 edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amron. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson in our network studios tonight. And we are glad to be joined by John Rooney. Cardinals broadcaster on the Cardinals radio network as we have our first live show after recapping the decade last week, Klaibs. And guys, Happy New Year to you both. Happy 2020. Same to you, sir. Happy New Year. Glad to be part of 2020 so far. It feels like a new decade, perhaps, because of some of the changes. Every time I come to this complex, you see the buildings on both sides of Ballpark Village, both the Cardinal Way apartments, uh, obviously now, also, the commercial space, PricewaterhouseCooper, the gym that's gone in. It's it's incredible what's happened here, guys, over the last 12, 24 months. Since the groundbreaking, this facility has been expanding at an unbelievable pace. Well, they've been building and building, and now it's a matter of building a roster to compete in the 2020 season and try to defend that National League Central Division championship, a championship they were able to take back from the Chicago Cubs and uh, move past Milwaukee. Milwaukee's certainly a different team. Even Washington, the national champion of the National League and world champion Washington Nationals, are a different ball club. They don't have their third baseman, and they're talking about Donaldson, and they've been adding some pieces uh, to their roster. So it's going to be interesting not only to see how the Cardinals will break camp, go play a game in Texas, then open in Cincinnati in late March, but how the other clubs react as well and how they build. Well, you mentioned Cincinnati. And I think I'd start with them. I think uh, what we've seen so far in the offseason and how they finished, uh, I think they're a team that everybody should start paying closer attention to, especially in the division. I, I think the Cubs have kind of taken a step back. Milwaukee, I think, is leveled off. Pittsburgh is rebuilding. Uh, and I think then you have the Cardinals and I think Cincinnati. And, and they don't have a number one guy. They don't have a flarity in their rotation, John, but they can roll out five pretty good guys every night. They've got a really good batting order, and they play in that ballpark. Well, you and I were talking about Walt Jockety when he was in St. Louis one of their trips in last year that if they had the Cardinals starting pitching the year before mm-hmm. to go with their lineup, they would have probably beaten the, the Cubs and the Brewers. I don't think there's any doubt. finished ahead of them because they just didn't have the starting pitching. And at times their, their bullpen was not as strong as they would like. But they do have some uh, people they brought on board. Uh, I think they've been as active as anybody right along with the Chicago White Sox over in the American League. The White Sox are, are buying up uh, everything. Yeah, you know what? I think it's fun to watch them. And locking up their young players. They, yeah, that's a good point, Chris. You know, when you think about the trades that they made a few years ago and now those kids have started to ascend and they're living up to the expectations. They went out and got a couple of veterans as well. Um Will they take over Chicago now? I mean, when you look at what they have to offer in the Cubs, 
I think I like their chances to finish in postseason better than the, than the Cubs. Well, they did uh, something similar back in the late 80s when they had all those draft choices mm-hmm. where they started out with uh, Jack McDowell, then Frank Thomas and Robin Ventura and Alex Fernandez and built around those players and added some key people like Ellis Burks. And then many years later, they were able to add on uh, in the early 2000s and pick up guys like uh, Jermaine Dye and Scott Pitsednik. They're not afraid to spend some money. I mean, people have been all over Jerry Reinsdorf saying you're, you're being cheap here on the south side and you really don't want to compete. The way they are reacting to their roster right now and their payroll he wants another world championship before it's all said and done. I think it's similar to the template that Houston and the Cubs both followed in terms of drafting and developing some young players, making some international signings. The White Sox have done it via acquisition as well. They traded some assets, got some great young players, and now are able to pick their spots. And with some money and with season tickets selling at a rate that they haven't sold in a decade now, use some of that revenue to sign some free agents now that they feel the window is opening. You know, one of the things about the White Sox, you know, they're in Chicago, and and that's a place some players like to play because of the city and, you know, everything that goes on there. Um, they could, If they get off to a good start, they might be a handful because their division is kind of in a state of flux right now. Minnesota obviously was really good. But who would have expected that at this time? Yeah, also? exactly. And maybe they could be this year's Minnesota. Uh, Cleveland, you know, they're moving players. You know, the Lindor thing has not materialized yet where I was reading today where they think he's going to be part of spring training. He might be part of spring training, but I doubt if he'll be there when the All-Star break rolls around. So it's a division that they could certainly move into and do some damage. And I think going back to the original point, John, the Cardinals are in that same position where it's theirs for the taking. I mean, they've got some things they need to answer as far as who's going to hit fourth and figure out the rotation in the bullpen, things of that nature, and, and certainly the outfield. But overall, they had a lot of pieces that really gives them a, a little bit of an advantage over everybody else in their division. And if there's one thing we've learned, that there will be some things happening in March oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. could add to this roster, could add to the lineup. Uh, I really believe another big league bat is necessary behind Paul Goldschmidt, and maybe that's Ozuna. He's not signed yet either. So there are a lot of questions that uh, we'll have answers for probably by the time we get uh, a couple of weeks into spring training, certainly three weeks in. And some interesting comments from Marcel Ozuna that we will talk about coming up. Also, we're going to talk more about the division, about the offseason, about the Cardinals, of course. Do you want to get into the 62nd Annual Baseball Writers Dinner, which is coming up on the 19th? We'll talk about winter warm-up. That's just a week and a half away. So lots to get to as John Rooney joins us in the first hour of Cardinals. Countdown to opening day presented by Ameren. Don't forget about Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up, the 18th, 19th, and 20th at the Hyatt Regency at the Arch. Tickets and autograph tickets on sale now. Go to cardinals.com slash WWU. Michael Hall will join us a little later. Let's take our first break. We'll come back and start to get into the offseason, talk the writer's dinner as well. And uh, what an offseason and what hardware since the last time we visited with John Klebs for Mike Shilton Company. We visited with them in San Diego. So a lot to touch on. And we are at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village. Family Back. night here. Family night. Yeah. Come Bring on your out. family. Plenty of space the party. Join the, the youngest. Tire them out. <laughs> Let them just run sprints, run exactly. wind sprints. Make sure they, they'll be sound asleep on the way home. Go out, grab a hammer, and help uh, yeah. putting up one Cardinal way. Yeah, we'll exactly. Be, we'll be back in a moment on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. 
Let's see if Tommy Edmond can come through with a clutch hit here facing Robert Stevenson. Tommy was 0 for 3 against Roark from the belt with the bases loaded. Edmond swings. He hits a high fly ball. Deep center field to the track, the wall. Grand slam for Tommy Edmond. The Cardinals lead 7-3 in Cincinnati. What a year it was for Tommy Edmond last year. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown Opening Day presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne, John Rooney with you. We're at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village. You know, you talk about, John, maybe unexpected things happening in March. Uh, always guys that make quite the impression. I thought last year it was Tommy Edmond, Randy Arozarena, Dylan Carlson when he got chances, Andrew Kisner, uh, all making incredible impressions, and certainly uh, there will be an opportunity for that this spring. And June 25th, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts will rock Bush Stadium. Tickets go on sale January 10th at cardinals.com slash Motley Crue. Couldn't draw it up any better for Tommy Edmond, even had to postpone his uh, a wedding because Cardinals were in the playoffs. He was a main contributor, and uh, he'll be a handful of guys that – you know, we'll get a chance to make even more of an impression and put together, you know, maybe his first full big league season this year. Just, I thought he checked every box last year. And I thought he wore down a little bit late. Sure. Uh, having his first uh, shot at Major League Baseball, it wasn't a complete season, but pretty close to it. And I'm excited to see him come back now with that experience and, and the great things that happened to him last year, just like uh, what happened to Paul DeYoung when he first came to the Major League level. I think great things are ahead for Tommy Edmond. Uh, I look forward to seeing DeYoung again, and I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing Lane Thomas, uh, the guy who had a yeah. broken hand whose season ended early. How would you like to have that bat in a series where the Cardinals were trying to get a key clutch hit? If they had one hit here, one hit there, it's a different series against Washington and not a sweep. And I think the absence of Lane Thomas and what he showed us uh, was one of those things that the Cardinals could have really used. I, I agree with you. Um, he was a key factor. Going back to Edmund for a minute, you he and also I also had a big about, grand slam. Speaking of grand slams, oh, you bet. You and I talked about him in spring training and how we liked what he did. He he was a ball player. Uh, and I know from an analytic standpoint, some people would say he's, you know, he doesn't do this, he doesn't. Well, he just plays the game the way I think we've all appreciated it being played. And I remember, I think you were the first one to say, we need to call this guy up. And I, I think it was early in the year because of what we saw in the spring. And he didn't disappoint anybody. But I agree with you, John. I, I think that maybe he kind of leveled off. You know, it's one thing to get to the big leagues and physically – you maintain, but the mental grind that comes with it and, and having to adjust so much as far as what pitchers are trying to do to you and him playing multiple positions caught up with him a little bit, but I, I think he'll be better prepared for it for this upcoming year because he, he takes good care of himself. And for that reason, Claves, he'll be able to adjust, I think, even better than mm-hmm. he did many, yeah. many times last year, and I think he'll be a lot more comfortable with how he goes about things just from the fact he's been in the big league clubhouses. He's been on the field. He's been in these ballparks, and he has been in some big pressure situations Ooh, for a young player uh, like so many other Cardinals. And we saw a big difference this year 
in uh, the likes of Flaherty and Dakota Hudson and, and watching John Brebbia grow, getting a chance, and, and how he has contributed. And we thought Jason Shreve was the key piece to the deal with the Yankees for Luke Voigt, but it turned out uh, to be Giovanni Gallegos, who was absolutely sensational Jeez. last year. And I think he'll be even better because of the experience he gained, uh, not only getting a chance to win a game before going down to Mexico and then pitching a game in his home country where he gave up a home run to Yasiel Puig, but then he got a strikeout after that. So he had a positive, went back to the minors for a short time, then came back and helped the Cardinals on their run to the division. Now, so many pluses, and I can see why Mo likes his ball club and likes a lot of the young players that are coming along. But if you could just add a key major league bat to the lineup while some of these other players are adding on and developing and taking their spots either on the bench or in the outfield or backing up key players on the infield, uh, I think that could help bring a lot of things together. And uh, and I, I just look forward to getting started down in Jupiter. You, you mentioned major league bat, and I, I think that's a great term to use because with all these young outfielders, None of them have that big league experience that you're looking for to put a guy preferably in the fourth spot or somewhere up in the order. And I don't know where they're going to get that guy from. I thought there were a couple of guys free agency-wise that you might look at. You mentioned Ozuna, who's still out there. Um, Maybe they look at a trade. I don't know who's available. I guess everybody's available for the right price. But I think that that's the real issue that they have to address uh, before they really – consider themselves ready to go after this division if not post uh, further deep in the postseason but um, I was really happy with the emergence of the young players and how they all contributed and we didn't have many guys who didn't come up and make a didn't yeah. make a contribution and, and you know a lot of times we've seen other teams they bring up a guy and you're like okay what's he here for uh, because and, he's not and some have said done. that particular player is just a guy. Right, he's a jag. You're absolutely right. <laughs> just a guy. And uh, But I thought the guys that came up, and I think it's really a tribute to the Cardinals organization. We don't have many guys who haven't come up who didn't contribute. And you pick a year. And this goes back a long exactly. time. Exactly, yeah. It goes back to um, you know far beyond. And I was thinking of a player like, like Daniel Descalzo, mm-hmm. who – you look at him and you think, wow, he, he doesn't do anything really great, but he's a tough guy, seventh inning on, playing a number of positions. And that's the one thing I liked about him, where maybe the Saber metrics won't show you that this guy is going to be a strong contributor to a world championship ball club like he was. But when you see what heart he has and, and the determination he has seventh inning on, that helped the Cardinals win a lot of ball games, and I think we're going to see that out of uh, Tommy Edmond and and trading for a guy like uh, you know Martinez uh, as Jose was able to come over from Kansas City and make a contribution as a real big league hitter. But I learned about a big league bat uh, a batter from the days of uh, Hall of Famer Frank Thomas in Chicago. Frank got hurt. Hey, he was a big man on bad feet late in his career, so the White Sox went out to get Jose Canseco. Now, Canseco was past his prime probably three, four, five years. But that was a big league bat they had to respect in the lineup. So it helped some people around them where at least the White Sox were competitive and their hitting just didn't go into the tank uh, altogether because they had that possibility of Mm. a a big league uh, home run, extra base hit, RBI, and Canseco did a pretty good job in that role. I think one trait we've seen from this Cardinals team and some of the young guys especially is that they hit good pitching late in games well. 
and they hit velocity well. And Jose Martinez is a perfect example of that. Remember when he came up, some of the battles he had against the oldest Chapman. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. last year, Rangel Ravello had a couple of those, too. He had a battle against Craig Kimbrell here uh, and hit a double off the wall. That was almost a home run late in the season. And when you think about next year, I think the rules and adding a 26th man that has to be a position player to the rosters gives the Cardinals more flexibility. I think some thought it was maybe a foregone conclusion. Martinez would be moved to the American League, and maybe that's flexibility and an extra big league bat you can have, and then you can mix him in in other ways. But even if he's on the bench, you have the luxury of, of keeping him on the team if you choose. Well, and he's a player who has proven that he doesn't have to be in the game to step in and contribute in that one at bat in the eighth or the ninth inning. He's ready to hit. If he's healthy, he will hit and help you. I think there were times where he was nursing a number of injuries yeah. last year, and, and there was a stretch a of a couple body. of weeks yeah. where he, he just didn't look himself at the plate and looked like he was giving up at bats, which is something he doesn't do. That's something he prides himself in uh, giving you a good, solid at bat each time up there. So that is a possibility. But from what uh, Gary LaRock and now uh, Mark DeJean, who has uh, retired and has, uh, has moved on to enjoy uh, the rest of his life and right on down through all the instructors and managers in the Cardinal system. It is a very positive system, and it's by design. When those players get here, Claves, you said they've been contributing. They expect to contribute, and we have seen players come up from other organizations that a couple of at-bats and they're right see back at double-A yeah. or triple-A or we never see them again. But we do see contributors when they come up from the Cardinal minor league system. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne, and John Rooney with you on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Uh, let's talk about the Baseball Writers' Dinner. And a lot of the guys that we've talked about are going to be a part of the 62nd Annual Baseball Writers' Dinner. It's on the 19th of January, part of that winter warm-up weekend at the Marriott Grand Hotel. You can get tickets at MetroTix.com. You can head to St. Louis BBWAA.com and... Holy cow, Ted Simmons going to be on hand for the Red Shane Deanst medal. And to see Ted and how emotional he was, Klaibs, in San Diego, John, to speak to people now over the last couple of months about what it means to so many that Ted is headed to the Hall of Fame. Uh, what were your emotions when, when you heard that and uh, as you got the news and started to digest it uh, about a month and a half ago? Well, I was at KMOX back in 1980, and I was covering the Cardinals when Ted Simmons was uh, beginning to really click and, and uh, make the name for himself that has led him to the Hall of Fame. I, I'm so delighted he's in the Hall of Fame, and I'm really delighted because I've enjoyed a lot of hours sitting around tables at ballparks mm -hmm. uh, when Ted has been scouting or representing uh, various organizations and, and just listening to his take on the game and on players and and uh, how much he loves this game and, and what it means to him and to be in the Hall of Fame and to be rewarded with that after his career as a player. But he has been a solid contributor to the game of baseball most all of his life in one passion. way or another. And and what a, what a good guy, and, and I'm so delighted that the baseball writers uh, will be able to honor him on that Sunday night uh, at the Marriott uh, Grand Hotel. You know, uh, I, I'm, I agree with you, John. I'm, I'm tickled pink for him because we've all gotten to know Ted well after his career. But, I, you know, every time I think about it, I'm not sure if I've seen a better offensive catcher in my lifetime. And, and and we watch Yachty every day, and Yachty is, is an outstanding offensive player as a catcher. But Simmons was a switch hitter, man. And, I mean, could he hit for more? He could have if he needed to. And remember the ballpark he was playing in. Oh, sure. Uh, 
I just thought, man, when he stepped in the bass box, something was going to happen. I mean, he, he was that kind of guy and uh, made himself into a good receiver. And um, But I, I agree with you where I think I've appreciated Ted Simmons more after he stopped playing because he did have some insightful observations about things about the game. He's a general manager. He's been a scout. He's done everything. He's a lifer. And I think on behalf of all the guys like Ted who didn't get the long look initially that they should have gotten to be in the Hall of Fame, I think this he, he goes in for a lot of other people who probably deserve more attention and uh, couldn't be happier for him. Well, you've had offense and home runs from the likes of Johnny Bench and Carlton Fisk mm-hmm. and and certainly Mike Piazza uh, at that position. But, you know, you're right. Ted Simmons, if uh, he wasn't a long ball threat, he certainly was an extra base yes, hit sir. threat mm-hmm. and an RBI threat and a lot of fun to watch. And now we get to uh, watch him as uh, he continues his life as a Hall of Fame catcher. HOF. A catcher who played every day, yeah. who hit above 280 from both sides of the plate, mm-hmm. was intentionally walked 25 times one season and just did it year after year. After a year, just incredible. And, you know, there were some teams that he was on, John. You were there. They weren't necessarily loaded. They they didn't have a lot of talent on some of those teams. And he was a guy that, you know, they could have pitched around him. In some cases they did, although they don't pitch around. They didn't pitch around guys as much then as they do now. But, you know, he he commanded that sort of respect as as a hitter. And as I said, became a better receiver over time. But – um, I think his accomplishments, if you look at that order, and I'm sure if you go back to one of those years and look at the batting order, you say, wait a minute, he was on that team? They, they, weren't, they weren't very good. Well, we do have the baseball writers' dinner coming up, and, and with winter warm-up and the writers' dinner, that's really opening day, hmm. leading to our big home opening day celebration that we have here in St. Louis uh, year in, year out. But I really have enjoyed being around Hall of Famers, commissioners, uh, dignitaries from all walks of life who have come to that St. Louis Baseball Writers' Dinner since uh, its beginning days years and years and years ago. And with Rick Hummel and with uh, you know Myron Holtzman and the others who are, are keeping that dinner going in that committee, and uh, Joe Ostermeyer and that group, uh, they, they've done a wonderful job of uh, trying to keep the tradition going and give St. Louis that kind of send-off for another baseball season with a great night in January, and that's coming up a week from Sunday. You've, you've emceed that event for a number of years now. Do you have a, one memorable? I'm sure you have met a lot of them, but is there one that stands out for you? Well, it's when we had the 64 team here, and Euchre was asked, uh, <laughs> Bob, what do you remember? He said, well, I, I really don't know. I, I don't even remember being here. <laughs> <laughs> I, when, I he, was... when he took off, that, that's when the fun started. Uh, you know, that was the one that stood out for me when he was there and Gibson and the other guys were there, and they were just feeding off of him. And Can you imagine what it had to be like to be around him every day? I mean, but to honor On the, the bus. 64 team, 67, yeah. 68, to honor the teams that came so close for Whitey uh, at 82, but uh, he, he came so close to 85 and 87. And 87. Uh, and won the home games in 1987 but lost the road games in Minnesota. But to honor those players uh, who who gave so many Cardinal fans, so many baseball fans throughout the country, so many thrills because of the signal that KMOX and the Cardinals network uh, has developed over the years, Uh, we get to celebrate that every year with the Baseball Writers' Dinner. Let me ask you this. 
and we talked about how few of these dinners still exist. Do you think that because of the, the success the Cardinals have had over the years that they have so much to celebrate, which is why you can bring back players from the 60s and the 80s and, and now going into the 2000s. Uh, you think that has a lot to do with the reason why this dinner still exists and still has the popularity that it does? No question about it, Claves. I think you've hit it on the head where we can hear from uh, Red Shandings mm-hmm. when they, they made that medal in his honor, Red was uh, alive and he was uh, a part of that. But Seelig came in to receive that and to have a, a Bob Gibson and uh, think about Bob every day and, and his struggle with uh, cancer right now and, and the toughness of uh, Gibson and Lou Brock, not only as players but as human beings and what they've had to go through uh, later in life. But when they get here and they start telling stories, the fans soak it in. It's unbelievable mm-hmm how you can hear a pin drop in the room and how the laughter is so much louder when those stories get better and better or to hear Vince Coleman tell his story of how he told Whitey Herzog he's not going back to the minor leagues, that uh, he better just uh, watch what happens uh, in a matter of speaking. That was interesting as well. But uh, the stars, the players, the characters, uh, not many times do we uh, run into too many characters in this game anymore. But St. Louis has had its and uh, and one of the most recent, uh, Lance Berkman, came back uh, for a writer's dinner and was able to regale us with a lot of good stories <laughs> uh, after the Cardinals won the World Series in 2011 and the Hall of Fame managers that we've had. You know, I, uh, just being around Red and, and Tony and Whitey and uh, Joe Torre comes back quite often as he's a Cardinal Hall of Famer and, and, uh, and just to see how uh, things have worked out now for for Mike Schild. And I want to wish Mike Matheny all the best in Kansas City as he starts that job now and he gets ready for his first spring training. We've had some great people come through here and some really good managers and baseball people. And and uh, the fact that we get to hang around with some of them and hear the stories and the fans get to take part in that, that's why the writers' dinner, I think, has been so important and so good and entertaining over the years. Well, you mentioned Mike Schilt, the National League Manager of the Year, will be there and will be honored. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Colton Long, Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson, Tommy Edmond, Chris Carpenter, Will Clark, uh, also Tom Stillman and Bobby Plager. Talk about characters. Bobby Plager will be in the house. There are some Boy, stories. I tell you, there you are some stories. Him and Shannon and, You're gonna have your work and, cut out for you keeping this thing moving along, John. All I have to do is <laughs> say here they are and get out of the way. Yeah. yeah. How about if you had a chance to have him, Shannon, and Euchre on the same bus? <laughs> <laughs> Well, they wouldn't get into the dinner. No, 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 they'd no, still be on the bus. Exactly. Yeah. It's, having it's, a better time. We have too much fun the on the bus than we That's are right. at the dinner. It's just such a great event. And again, it's uh, Sunday, the nineteenth, at Marriott Grand Hotel. Go to St. Louis BBWAA or go to MetroTix.com and just get your tickets. The sixty-second annual St. Louis Baseball Writers Dinner. Let's take another break. We'll come back, get into some of the offseason and the Cardinals. I want to talk about Mike Schilt as well. That's next. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Ameron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. A swing and a long one. Home run, Paul DeYoung. Left center field. Back-to-back Jack. The Cardinals. Have taken the lead in the ninth. Craig Kimbrell is serving up batting practice. <laughs> a Saturday <laughs> afternoon at Wrigley Field, and after a back and forth topsy turvy game, a game that started with Dakota Hudson 
the most uncharacteristic outing he had all season. Uh, it looked like it might be a walk fest. We knew it would be an American League game breaking out at Wrigley Field, but Yadier Molina, Paul DeYoung off of Craig Kimbrell, and one of the biggest regular season series I think the Cardinals have had in recent years. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. John Rooney, our guest, and when you think back about that series, how pivotal was that for the Cardinals to put together not just four great games, but four great games at Wrigley Field, which they hadn't done over the last couple of years. And the division had been an issue for them late in the season when they came up just a little bit short, John, in 16, 17, and 18. Before they got on the plane to go to Chicago, though, they had beaten uh, Scherzer and Strasburg. Right. Just Taking a couple of days after the Ryan Braun back-breaking Grand Slam on exactly. Sunday. Exactly. So that was, week. that was quite a recovery to win two out of three like that against Washington. And if I have heard about that four-game series once since the end of the season, I've heard about it a million times from Cub fans. They are hot about it. I think it was the high-water mark of the season. By far. Uh, Just so much was going on in that series. And the way they came back, and, you know, the Cubs were pretty healthy then. I mean, it wasn't like they were when they limped into St. Louis the last weekend of the season. I, and it was just really good baseball. I mean, it took a while for them to get finished, but, man. What, Not what, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> that, that seemed like the most ho-hum game, and all you did was come back against you, Darvish, who put together, mm-hmm. you know, outside of Jack Flaherty, one of the best second halves in, in the National League. And I think that that kind of epitomized that series, what we've talked about, because you got contributions from your big guys, you got contributions from your studs, from your pitching, but you also got a ton of contributions up and down the lineup from young guys that came up and were not afraid, did not cower in the moment. Guys that did things on the bases, guys that did things defensively, some of the big hits. It, it was kind of, I think, a, a perfect Mike Schilt series. It showed the imprint that Mike Schilt, uh, the impact that Mike Schilt and his staff have had on this club for the last year and a half. Well, if anything, looking at last year, the improvement in the defense, the base running, and the fact that the Cardinals did employ a running game much of the year, there were times when they didn't have the consistent offense where they could run as much as I think Mike would have liked to, but when he had the opportunities, he took full advantage of them. And that's uh, another major factor and a reason why the Cardinals won the division last year. But the first time I met Mike Schilt, sitting in the dugout with him and talking about just talking about baseball and life and found out we had something in common. We were both at the Cal Ripken game when he broke Lou Gehrig's record. <laughs> uh, he was there and caught a foul ball. He caught a foul ball. Uh, that I think Ripken hit the foul ball. Ball always finds those guys, right? It does. <laughs> and uh, I was working that game with Jeff Torborg uh, for CBS Radio and had the good fortune to be there, and what a great night that was. But just talking about Mike's love for the game and uh, for the people and, and then uh, sitting with him on several flights talking about uh, his philosophy and how he worked with minor league players and, and how he let it be known that it's all about the player and finding a way to communicate to strike a nerve, to hit a nerve that will help them progress because everybody's different. Uh, there are guys that you have to uh, give them a kick every now and then, guys you have to pat on the back uh, to get them where you want them to go. And Mike Schilt uh, and the Cardinals staff work diligently in doing that, and I think it's another reason why the young players were able to come up and contribute so much. Uh, and uh, and I thought uh, Mike Matheny's staff did a pretty good job of that as well. And, and you know, Tony had, had the rap, oh, he doesn't like to use young players. 
a lot of good young players came up and contributed in 06 and, and 11 when they won for Tony La Russa. And he had some good young players in Oakland when they were a contender out there as well. So if you, uh, if you can't uh, be a, a players-type manager in that regard and know your personnel inside out, and it's something Mike Schilt just really enjoys doing. I asked Klebs this, John, because we talked about the Cardinals, young guys coming up, the drafting, the development. Why don't more teams develop members of their staff and, and managers? Because Mike Schilt has come up through this organization at every rank like he was, theoretically, a player drafted by the club. And he's progressed through the organization at every rank as the Cardinals develop their players. Are you surprised that doesn't happen more? Well, I think this is something that uh, John Mazalak has done a really good job yeah. of over the years. And, and his background as he came along was uh, working through the minor league system. When you look at the coaching staffs and how people have graduated from the Cardinal minor league system up to the major league system, even at a point where uh, Dyer Miller, who had been down there for so long, came up and worked in the bullpen for a year with the Cardinals. And, and Brian Eversgird has done such a terrific Stubby, job. Stubby, Ollie. Yeah. Ollie, uh, and Ollie's going to be a big league manager. And Stubby so is, will be too. Stubby, yeah. sure. Uh, the track record is, is right there, and they know how to deal with people. And I, I think we're so fortunate to have a great coaching staff like that. And Willie McGee and his ability to communicate and to uh, make a point that uh, he breaks it down in such simple terms and common sense terms that uh, it, it just hits these young guys in the face saying, you know what, I should be doing that. I should take that approach or at least consider it. And uh, I think that's what has made Willie so special to his teammates when he played and certainly now to the players as he's a member of the coaching staff. Well, congratulations again to Mike Schilt, the National League Manager of the Year. He will be on hand again at the Baseball Writers' Dinner. We'll take a break. One more segment with John coming up. Don't forget to make your plans to head south this winter for sunny skies. Warm beaches and Cardinals baseball packages available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or 800-892-7687. We're back in a moment on Cardinals Radio Network. Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. The 2-2 pitch for Paul Goldschmidt. Goldie swings and hits it fair! Inside the third base bag down the left field line. Edmund is going to score. Goldschmidt around second base and he'll hold there with a go-ahead double in the ninth. Oh, man! Welcome back in. Another great call from John Rooney as we continue one last segment on Cardinals Countdown Opening Day. We mentioned all the areas the Cardinals were improved last year, guys, and Goldschmidt had a hand in all of them, especially defense, base running as well. We didn't see Goldschmidt and Ozuna at the same time clicking save for the NLDS, and I would have to imagine that second year in St. Louis, and especially if the Cardinals can fortify the lineup a bit, get some guys getting on base, getting back to what their career averages are, we will see an even bigger offensive year and an even better all-around year after pretty darn good all-around year from Goldie. All that makes sense to me. How about you, Clay? No, I agree with you, John and Chris. Uh, if, if they can get some protection, I think we're going to see the Goldschmidt that we traded for. And we saw flashes of it last year. I want to go back to something and listen to that highlight. I was more amused by listening to Cardinal fans at Wrigley Field because you could hear them and they were going crazy. And, and John, you and I have been on the road where we're going to those Sunday, cities. That was Sunday, right? Was it, was it Sunday? The Sunday yeah. game? Mm-hmm. When you go into these cities and the Cardinal nation is so well represented and when the Cardinals do well, you know that the Cardinal fans are there. And 
I don't know if that happens in a lot of ballparks around baseball where they Cardinal fans travel in the way they do, but that was the one thing that stood out. Your call and to hear those fans going nuts because it sounded like a home game. Exactly, exactly, and that, and that's the fun thing about following now, We this have team. had a lot of blue in the stands in recent yeah. years with the Cardinals Cub Series right here. Don't know at if Bush we're going to see as much though this year. I don't know. They, I think they're going to. I think they'll take a step back. If I had to ask you, out of the Cardinals, Cubs, Brewers, do you expect any one or none to make a significant addition between now and opening day? I think all three of them need to. I need think, to. I think they do, but I'm not. I'm not sure what will take place there. Yeah. Uh, I think the Reds have put some pressure Absolutely. on the rest. And and one thing that I understood uh, when I came back to St. Louis in 2006, the Cardinals set the standard in the division, even when the Cubs were ahead of them and the Brewers took the division away from the Cubs. The Cardinals still set the bar. This is what you have to do if you're going to compete to win the National League Central. You have to do this better or as well as the Cardinals to give yourself a chance. And the Cardinals were able to get back there, and I think with the experience and and with uh, a key addition or two, and it may not be in spring training. It may be during the season. But I think they can hold on to the division, and then take a good run because uh, you have to keep that pitching healthy. That's always an if for any staff. But the Cardinals have some really good young arms and some arms now with some experience. Yeah, speaking of getting into the stands, Cardinals 5, 6, and 10-game ticket packs on sale now. They feature 2020's top games and promotional dates. Choose from the opening day pack, the jersey pack, the bobblehead pack, Friday pack, and more. Ticket packs start at just $54. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. John, we appreciate it. Can't wait to see you and everyone at Winter Warm-Up next weekend. And, again, go to uh, MetroTix.com to get your tickets for the Baseball Writers' Dinner. Always enjoy it. Thanks for coming by and spending some time with us. Well, Klaibs, come visit us on the main stage when you get back from the caravan. I promise. uh, I'm on stage with uh, Chris and and I think Danny Mack and Ricky Horton. uh, I'll be there Saturday and Sunday. And then the Baseball Writers' Dinner on Sunday night. And here we go. We'll be back in a moment on the Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. The 2020 Cardinals official calendar features the artwork of team photographers, the club's spring training and regular season schedules, and four pages of money-saving coupons. Pick up your copy at St. Louis area retailers, or call 314-345-9000. We'll give one away right now, caller 5 at 314-531-1120. It's a Cardinals 2020 official calendar. Big thanks to John Rooney for joining us. Got another hour coming up. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Ameren on the Cardinals Radio Network. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here's a swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the countdown to opening day show presented by Ameren. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals 5, 6, and 10 game ticket packs on sale now and feature 2020's top games and promotional dates. Choose from the opening day pack, the jersey pack, the bobblehead pack, Friday pack, and more. Ticket packs start at just $54. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. Coming up, we'll visit with... How about this? Long time big league manager Buck Showalter in our next segment. Rick Hummel, the Hall of Famer, the commish, joins us as well at the bottom of the hour. And Michael Hall will talk some 
Cardinals care winter warm-up. Clay, just looking at the list of names of guys, and also Carolyn Kindle Betts, the men and women who will be at the Baseball Writers' Dinner on Sunday the 19th. It's pretty impressive. We mentioned Mike Schilt's hardware. you got a lot of hardware in that room. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they really will this year, and, that, and that's fun. And Tom Stillman, uh, uh, Stanley Cup winner in that recognizing room Recognizing well. St. Louis and its sports community I think is always great. Uh, it, it's the Baseball Writers' Dinner, but it's a, it's a dinner that really recognizes – the, the St. Louis community as far as sports is concerned. And, and you know, we, we're so fortunate to have so many good things going on. You know, obviously the Cardinals making postseason, but, you know, what what more can you say about the Blues and what they did that hasn't already been said? Uh, Major League Soccer is on the way. And, and, you know, there are a lot of other good things that are starting to unfold here locally. And you touched on something at the beginning of the show, Ballpark Village and what's going on down here and, you were at the games like I was last year, and for our vantage point, we could see the, the construction. And every day we'd come back off of a road trip, be a couple more floors added, and this was added, and this was going on. A lot of fun things going on right now. And I think, as John said, starting off the season with the writers' dinner is a great way because I think there's a lot, of more, lot more fun things in, for, in front of us. You know, it's funny, the Cardinals, not just leaders in the division and on the field, as John mentioned, and in terms of development, but, you know, when this building went up, you saw the Cubs here. You saw Crane Kenny here and the Cubs contingency visiting with, you know, Bill DeWitt Jr. and Bill DeWitt III and visiting with, you know, uh, Cardinals front office members in terms of the infrastructure. And, you know, the National League Central, to be able to have so many competitive teams, it's great for baseball, it's great for the division, it's great for the cities. Yeah, within the division. Yeah, there's no runaway team in the division. Uh, I think Pittsburgh is probably uh, a team that's got a lot of work to do They've to catch up. Got some decisions to yeah. make too. And, but I think Milwaukee and Chicago, I think, are dead even right now as far as what they offer. Are you surprised the Brewers haven't added yes. pitching the last? Yes, two or three I am. Years? I think had they added just a little bit more pitching, they probably would have won the division and may have gone deeper in postseason. They didn't. I have no idea why. They don't have anything in their farm systems that's come up and had a real impact, and they had chances to get players, and, and I hope it's not money. And I think it's reasonable to wonder some of the guys they've ridden really hard. We've already yeah. seen some injuries, mm-hmm. and now you know, will Josh Hader continue to perform at that level? I mean, a lot of questions in, in the division. I agree. I, I couldn't agree with you more, especially the way Milwaukee used their bullpen. And I think Jared Jeffers – is probably the best example. Here was a guy that was lights out, an all-star, and last year, Chris, he, he could barely, you know, you know, throw a strike. I mean, and he, he was almost well, out Knable of the game. Too. Yeah, Knable's another guy that's coming back. Um, Hader was allegedly uh, on the block at one point. Don't know how true that was, but anytime you're kicking the tires and his name is mentioned, that means somebody's got an interest. So they're a team I think is at a crossroads uh, as far as how they're going to do things. They've, they've cut loose a couple of guys that probably they felt weren't going to get any better. Uh, and then you have the Cubs. You know, I mean, you look around. They've already told Rizzo we're not going to talk about an extension. Uh, you've got Baez. You've got to figure out how to pay him. Uh, you've got some kids you're trying to implement on the infield. Chris Bryant, that was one of the big stories during the winter meetings. Where was he going to go? Uh, I don't know what the outfield is going to look like other than knowing that they're going to put Hayward out there. And with all the money that has come off the books, they're still right up against the tax. Yeah, and now yeah. you have the implication, too, of your draft picks being affected if you're above the tax. Yeah, so they, above they, the threshold. a lot of question marks in, in Chicago. 
which is why I go back to Cincinnati and the things that they've done uh, since, you know, the offseason gives you the indication that they feel like they've got a shot to compete. All right, well, when we come back, we will talk with, man, what a baseball mind, three-time manager of the year, 20-year big league manager Buck Showalter. Will join us next. It's Cardinals Countdown Opening Day, presented by Ammer and Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village. Back in a moment on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne hanging out until 8 o'clock, and it is great to welcome a special guest to talk about a great event that's coming up. The 19th and 20th of January, it's the 17th annual I-70 Coaches Clinic. And it's awesome to be joined by Buck Showalter, of course, three-time Big League Manager of the Year, long-time manager, and will be part of the clinic. Details at i70clinic.com. It is in Greenville, Illinois, at Greenville High School. Buck, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Good. Mike, Chris, how are you guys doing tonight? Well, we're just trying to stay warm, Buck. You know it's that time of the year, and... uh we're looking forward to talking to you about some baseball as far as the coaches' clinic. So my question to you is, you've been at this game a long, long time, and one of the things we always wonder about, how do we develop future managers? What, what have you seen in your course of duty that is some of the things you think are important to help develop young managers where they can, once they get there, they can stay there? You know, that's a great question because in today's game, it's getting harder and harder. It used to be you could think of six or seven up-and-coming young manager prospects. And, you know, the way that the minor leagues are done nowadays where they say, all right, here's your lineup and here's your batting order and here's who's starting and here's who's pitching in the bullpen. And, uh, you know, I think winning in the minor leagues is also part of development. I know when I was coming up through the Yankee system, Mr. Steinbrenner told us we wanted you to win and develop players. And in his mind, it was one and the same. And unfortunately, we're, we seem to be getting real robotic about it in the minor leagues, and the, and the real successful managers have a feel for people. And the only way you can develop those skills, you know, they used to say, here's 15 players you got to take, the other 10 you can pick to help you win and really help you evaluating players. So it's, you know, it's a little uh, scary sometimes to see the, the lack of uh, people we are developing in order to, uh, in order to, you know, uh, to win games, you know, it's how are you evaluating? We knew exactly what our job description was coming out of spring training. I70clinic.com is where you can go to sign up for the 17th annual I-70 Baseball Coaches Clinic. Softball coaches involved this year as well for the first time at Greenville High School. And Buck will be part of uh, the great speakers that are in. What do you like about the chance to speak to players and coaches of all different levels, Buck? Because, again, you've been at uh, the top of the mountain and uh, competed at the highest level. But, you know, the game is, is the game. I think that's what makes some of us love it so much and, and the chance to connect with you know high school coaches from across the country at different levels must uh, be really cool for you guys you know it's always an honor to be asked you know joe allstatt and them do a great job there and it's uh, it's one of the most well-respected clinics in the country and i've always tried to work it out to get in there we, we just uh, you know we've been able to fit it into everybody's schedule and you know they've, they've had some great people pass through there and just to be asked to to be a part of it and try to, and someone think you might make a contribution. I think you realize that everything's relevant, whether you're a softball coach, a high school coach, a little league coach. You know, I remember every, I went to one of the smallest public schools in the state of uh, North Florida. I was in Northwest Florida and 
you know, we won the state championship and won eight baseball. It was like we won the World Series. So all that stuff is relevant. And I think everybody should understand whether it's winning the World Series or whether it's winning a Little League championship, you know, those, you know, you can't underplay that. And, you know, our game uh, is dependent on those people, you know, caring about our game and, and trying to make sure that uh, we make it fun for kids. That's what, and people, you know, I have, even in the big leagues, I have to, you know, certain attention span, I have to make a drill, sometimes entertaining, you know, things that you, you know, we want to make our people play our game is because we have a lot of pulls on kids' time. And, and I think we just need to do a better job sometimes of, of teaching and showing the, the fun parts of our game, play the game, quit talking about it and play the game. Buck Showalter is our guest, longtime major league manager. Baseball lifer, I think, is a good term to use when it comes to Buck Showalter. Buck, as a manager, when you first came up and you felt this is something you wanted to do, who, who were some of the people that were instrumental in your development and people who gave you the advice to keep you going and now you're trying to pass on what you've learned? Well, you know, I had a lot of people that just, you know, sometimes you learn as much about what not to do, and you know, but you also learn from some people. Billy Martin took me under his wing at a very young age when I was 28, just starting out managing the York League and got to play for Johnny Oates and uh, some really quality baseball people along the line. I was very lucky to have Ryan Polk as a coach at Mississippi State when then I went to Ellis Dungan at junior, in junior college. But, you know, I was at, like I said many times, I'm at the mercy of mothers and fathers of the world in the big leagues because by the time I get them, I was very lucky to have a mom and dad that had the guts to say no to me and wanted to be my parent and not my buddy. And uh, I think that was important looking back on it. And, uh, you know, I stepped on my tail a lot of times, but I had people that uh, cared about, um, you know, correcting things that weren't right. And I had a real respect for authority and people that were my coaches. Buck Schalter, our guest. Again, the I-70 Baseball Clinic is coming up on the 19th and 20th. Go to I-70Clinic.com. You know, in terms, uh, Buck, you mentioned earlier uh, after uh, joining us that, we used to have seven or eight guys coming up and, and young managers that you could name. And, you know, here in St. Louis, Mike Schilt is not just a baseball lifer, but he's been really a Cardinal lifer. and has come up through the organization like a player would be after being drafted and developed. Why doesn't that happen more uh, at the big league level? Uh, why don't more teams do that? Or is it just certain teams, you know, maybe catch, I don't want to say lightning in a bottle, but right time, right place, you got to have the right guy. But we don't see that that often. Well, I think Mike's obviously the right guy for St. Louis. I really respect his background and the way he went about it. When I started out, it wasn't with the idea I was going to manage the big leagues. You know, I was from that school and taught that whatever job you were given, you work the heck out of that and see where it might take you. You're not coveting somebody else's job. You're not trying to, you know, step on somebody on the way. You just work the heck out of that job and see if somebody thinks that, uh, you know, your work is warranted to, to have a, uh, be in another upper role and you know Mike did it that way and um, you know I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of the general managers today and the ownership today there's uh, a lot of different shortcuts that are trying to be taken and and I understand that I mean when I first came up a lot of people questioned some of the maybe new methods that we might have tried out but this isn't nothing this is nothing really new going on analytically like we were doing this back in the late 70s, early 80s, charting pitchers, and they have a lot more bats, a lot of ways of gathering information. Everybody's working under the same analytical departments and uh, headings. It just depends on what you want to weight is more important. 
that's but you know I wonder why 14 teams finished under 500 last year if we're all looking at the same numbers. That's a great point. As we visit with Buck Showalter, hey Buck, you you've been at this for so long. What's been the one constant that you still see in the game uh, from a managerial standpoint? Because now as you watch the game more, I wonder also, do you manage from home? And and what what are some of the constants that you continue to see? Well, you know, I I worked for the uh, Yes Network, the Yankee Network last year. I'm going to probably do a little bit of stuff with with one of the nationals. Just to stay involved, I I watch as much as I need to. uh, I I do watch it with the sound off. uh, trouble listening to the announcers. Let's face it, the Yankees aren't that hard to talk about on the air. But um, you know, I watch as much as I can. You know, it's still the same. You know, the people that uh, pay attention to details and play good defense and pitch well. Uh, it's kind of funny how the the team game it seems to be more embraced in the postseason when you know the last the only thing you're really playing for is who's going to be that last team standing. It's funny how. But, you know, it's not the player's fault. I hear people get on about striking out and different things. It's not their fault. The guy strikes out 180 times and hits 25 on month and gets a $3 million raise. Is that their fault? Maybe it's the system that's rewarding that. So don't complain about it unless you're willing to reward some more team aspect things. You know, I try to get some things put in contracts that are pay players according to how many games people win, but that's not allowed. So they certainly do it in managers' contracts, don't they? <laughs> you know, and that's a great point you make. Uh, and I've always wondered about that. I'm sure there's a backstory to why we don't have more team incentives uh, involved because that way everybody's rowing in the same direction and they're not playing for themselves as much as we see guys play like play like that now. Well, you see guys hit a double down 13-2 to two and do that, what is that, antler thing or whatever they do at second base? <laughs> you know, I mean, you get, you're getting your brain beat out, but you've got a double, so God bless you. It's it's the kids, Buck. It's it's what the kids oh, yeah, do. Just, I don't get just, it either. Just let them play. Yeah, it's fine. Let them play. That's fine. You know, the last thing you want to do is suppress a personality or an emotion, but, you know, it's got to be done within the, the concept of what the team's trying to do. And that's why they call it a uniform. You know, it's funny that we talk so much this postseason about, oh, my gosh, you know, one of the big storylines was starting pitchers are going six, seven innings. They're actually pitching into games. Well, that shouldn't be the exception. I think the exception was a couple of years ago with the bullpenning. We get away sometimes from the game, and especially in the postseason with the best teams and the best players on the biggest stage. I don't know why sometimes we get surprised when things play out like that. Well, I think, uh, you know, let's face it, some of these teams are, are using what they call openers because they don't have five starters. You know, it's not because they're trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just they don't have five guys to run out there, so they're used you know, you have to have an optional bullpen so you can maneuver uh, these people to stay healthy. I think it's also why you're seeing so many arm injuries, so many people in the DL. The DL is shorter, even though they're going to fix that. But, you know, there's, because of the wear and tear on, on, you know, everybody chasing the velocity. And the more, you know, the, the human arm is not intended to put it over your head and jerk it down violently 100 times every fifth day. That's why softball pitchers don't get many sore arms. So, you know, you're going to pay a price for that. But, uh, you know, I think there's cause and effect of everything. But, you know, people say, well, they're, you know, say Tampa's doing this. Well, Tampa could run five starters out there like Verlander. They'd do it, but they can't because they can't pay them. I70clinic.com. That's where you go, the I-70 Baseball Coaches Clinic. Coaches, players, what a 
Great couple of days, super affordable for coaches and players. And Buck Showalter will be uh, among the speakers there. Again, i70clinic.com. And, Buck, do me a favor. When you get up and you're speaking to some of these great coaches and players who are coming up, just give me a little antlers up there. <laughs> That's okay. God bless it. If it's a legal team concept, I'm all for it. Guys, I appreciate you having us. This is a great uh, Hey, Buck, thanks so great. much. Have a great time. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Appreciate you, Buck. Good luck to you, sir. All right, that's Buck Showalter on the I-70 Baseball I, I am glad Club. that guys like Buck Showalter continue to try and give something back to the game. Uh, you know, he's done a lot. He's been successful as a manager. Uh, but guys like that, 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 that tree is getting smaller, Chris, where you just don't have as many guys that are in a position to try and mentor some of these young aspiring managers and coaches uh, that the game sorely needs. Yeah, I mean, just listen to Mike Schilt talk about George Kissel and, you know, everyone, Tony and, and Mike Matheny who had an impact on him. Listening to guys talk about Mr. Ricketts, I mean, it's just special when you have them within your organization and not every mm-hmm. organization has them. Not every organization has them. So I think uh, Cardinal fans should realize how lucky they are. They're lucky to have Rick Hummel as well, and we'll talk to Rick coming up in our next segment. The commission will join us. Uh, man, so many of those great conversations happen at spring training. You can head there as well. Make your plans to head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, and Cardinals baseball packages available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or call 1-800-892-7687. We're back with the commission on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back in, Cardinals. Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron, Chris Raby, and Mike Claiborne with you on the Cardinals radio network as we get set again for next weekend's Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up. It's at the... Hi at Regency at the Arch. Come on out and join us Saturday, January 18th through Monday, January 20th. Purchase warm-up admission tickets and autograph tickets at cardinals.com slash WWU. Are your tickets sold out yet, Claves? Your autograph tickets? Uh, I tried to buy as many of them as I could. So if somebody wants an autograph, it's free. I bought them all already because I'm making a donation to Cardinals Care. I'm sure Rick Hummel's tickets will be sold out. The commission His is much more valuable. Joins us right now. And speaking of next weekend, we talked with John Rooney about a great event on Sunday night, the Baseball Writers Dinner, which is downtown. You can go to St. Louis, BBWAA.com Sunday night. And what a celebration it's going to be at the Marriott Grand Hotel. Commish, how are you? Good evening. I'm fine, sirs. How are you? We're doing well, Commish. We're doing well. Here we are, another dinner uh, upon us. I asked John Rooney the question earlier about the fact that with all the success that the Cardinals have had over the course of the last 60-plus years, uh, you think that's one of the reasons why this dinner still draws the, the attention compared to other cities where – what are we down to now? Two dinners left in, in, yeah. in the country, and this yeah, being one of them? in New York, where the writers do most of it. Boston kind of funders out a little bit. But uh, uh, it's, you know, it's a challenge, too, though, because there's so many events going on that particular mm-hmm. weekend, the warm-up, and there's another thing happening this weekend. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's still great to, that we have one, and I think we got a pretty good show. 
Yeah, Ted Simmons will be on hand. He'll get the Red Shane Deans medal. And, you know, Kamish, uh, to get the news on Sunday night before the winter meetings that Ted was headed to the Hall of Fame, to hear him speak to the media in San Diego, uh, to know how much this means to him, to so many people. Uh, what came to mind for you first when you found out that Ted was finally headed to Cooperstown, where you could tell him, hey, finally, it's about time you're joining me. Well, I didn't put it that way exactly, but uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I've been working on this committee to keep his name alive for a long time, uh, you know, to make the 10 finalists. And then it's happened three or four times he didn't get in. But then at long last, uh, the sabermetrics analytics stuff took over where all those walks and the on-base percentage and some of the things he did in his career made him a lot better player when he wasn't playing than when he was. So uh, that helped him. And also the fact that there were some people on the committee that either had been teammates of his or uh, – you know, employers of his or, or both. And uh, he kind of felt this would be the time, and it was it was the time. How he dropped off after the main ballot from the writers in 19, uh, after only one vote in 19, uh, it would be 94, is beyond me. He needed only 18 of 450-something to survive. Or he needed 23 of 450-something to survive, and he couldn't get that many. So anyway, justice, as they say, is served. Hey, Commissioner, you know, I, I'm glad that they have this committee because there are some guys that have slipped through the cracks. And as you mentioned with Ted Simmons talking about how the analytics had an important role on his election, how many other guys do you think that are out there that are right there on the cusp of, of being a Hall of Famer? Well, I'm uh, unable to fashion why Tommy John is not a Hall of Famer with 280-some wins, you know, and having the – you think he didn't have an impact on the game? They named a surgery after him for crying out loud. Uh, how much more impact <laughs> could you have? Um, yeah. Steve Garvey should be in. Um, among, that's a couple that come to mind. This committee that we have also gives a chance to like people like Marvin Miller and owners and managers and general managers and so forth, they would not have in the regular BBWA elections. We can only vote on players then. You know, I think about a guy like Richie Allen who I, I throw in that category, too. And, and I'm sure the list is a little longer than the names we've mentioned. Um, for you as a person that's part of this, I think it's even more important for the people who do the voting who actually, as you mentioned, either you played against them, played with them, or covered them. And, and I wish the other writers who do the other bigger voting, I, I, I like to see that regulated a little bit more, too, because a lot of times they haven't seen these players play as much as maybe they should have, and they go to the stats. And while the stats do tell a certain story, I think, man, nothing like putting eyes on a player and seeing what his impact was in the game when he was actually in his prime. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Richie Allen. Uh, I believe his name will be coming up for consideration this year in that particular. He, he fell a cropper of a, of a rules change or two, which they changed the eras about four or five years ago. They, they were 47 to 72 and 72 to 88 or whatever. And, and then after that, went, you know, and, and he fell right in the middle. And he was determined that he had his best seasons in an era that had already been voted on. So he's had to wait like five years, five, six years to get a chance at this. <clears throat> and now he will. And I, I never saw a guy hit a ball any harder than he. Um, I remember I, I just, uh, we were in Chicago. I just got married the first time, and we were in Chicago sitting in left field watching the White Sox in the game. And he hit a ball, and it was out there 
b- before you could raise your hand. You know, it was, it was, it was coming right at you like a missile. <clears throat> and he's using his bat. It, it, it was 40 ounces and probably 38 inches, you know. Um, and uh, he was a great player. Not too bad at first base. He wasn't the greatest. He wasn't exactly, you know, Hal Chase over there, but he was all right. And he was a winning player for some winning teams, including one year here when he got missed a month, and he still had 34 home runs in that huge ballpark. So, yeah, I'm hoping he gets in. And to touch on the election process, the, when we get to the veterans committees, <clears throat> most of the voters on those committees are Hall of Famers in place. Uh, only a couple, three writers. But the writers put together the ballot for those people, uh, those choices, and the Hall of Famers are the ones mostly who vote on them. Commish, before we let you go, and again, the Baseball Writers' Dinner is on January the 19th. Marriott Grand Hotel. Go to stlouisbbwaa.com. You can also get tickets at Metro Ticks. Mike Schilt will be honored. I've asked this question to a number of people, but as long as Mike Schilt has been in this organization, as long as you've known him, tell me one thing that you've learned over the last year and a half since he took over from Mike Matheny or that you've come to appreciate about Mike Schilt, the big league manager, now National League Manager of the Year. Well, I guess it's maybe attention to detail, but I, you know, that was probably already there. I, just because he was a coach, I didn't pay that much attention to it. But he was, he's always been like this. And uh, it's rare where it seems almost every player, if not every player on the team, likes him as a person. I mean, they like playing for him is one thing. You don't really have to necessarily like him as a person to like playing for him. But I think it works in both cases here. Hey, Commissioner, before we let you go, obviously we're in that, that downtime right before spring training. I think it's evident that this team is going to look for another bat somewhere in the lineup. Do you have a, a preference on who you'd like to see, or do you think they're going to develop somebody within the organization? I'd like to see him sign Ozuna for a short contract, and at that apparently is still out there because he hadn't signed anybody else. And some of the teams are, are narrowing now. It looks like uh, – the Rangers might still be looking. The, uh, the Reds got the guy from Japan the other day, so I'm not sure they're going to sign another big bat. Uh, so I think the Cardinals' competition is is narrowing. Well, they might be able to keep him on a short contract. That'd be my first choice. Otherwise, you see if he can trade for one. I'm not a big Jock Peterson fan. I know that's a possibility. Me neither. No. He strikes out a whole pot load. Those guys here, you, you don't know how good they are. Even Tyler O'Neill, you don't really know until you play him. And uh, Lane Thomas, I think will be good. I think a Rosarina's got a chance, and Dylan Carlson should be good, you know, really good. So that's four guys you should have this year. Maybe that'll be enough, but you don't know that going in. You'd like to have somebody with a little more cachet hitting me on Goldschmidt. Yeah, and a number of those guys will be on hand at the St. Louis Baseball Writers Dinner, stlouisbbwaa.com or metrotix.com for tickets. Rick Hummel, the commission from the Post-Dispatch Hall of Famer. Appreciate the time. We'll see you next weekend at Winter Warm-Up. Thanks so okay. much, Kamish. Thank you guys very much. All right, Commission, take care. Thank you. We'll talk more about winter warm-up. Michael Hall joins us next. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne. It's Cardinals Countdown Opening Day, presented by Ameren from Ballpark Village on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network, and we can't wait until next weekend. It is winter warm-up, benefiting Cardinals care at the Hyatt Regency at the Arch, January 18th, 19th, and 20th. Cardinals.com slash WWU is your one stop for all the information. And joining us is the Cardinals VP of Community Relations and the Executive Director of Cardinals Care, 
Michael Hall. Michael, happy uh, week and a half away. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Well, I know everyone's so excited for next weekend. Again, Hyatt Regency at the Arch Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And let's just start with probably uh, what most people are getting excited for or still making plans for, and that is the player autograph. Such a big part of winter warm-up, the chance to meet some current former Cardinals, meet some of the prospects as well, get some autographs, both paid tickets and free tickets. What can you tell us about where you are right now and what folks need to do for the latest information and to get their tickets? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, that is the biggest draw are the players, uh, current and former. And, you know, uh, we've established a tradition of of fans being able to meet them and and receive autographs, as you mentioned. Um, You know, what I'd like for fans to really know is is there are still autograph tickets available, both paid and comp. Um, There are two separate types of autographs for folks that may not be familiar or may not have had the opportunity to attend winter warm-up. There are comp autograph tickets, and um, you do need to go to cardinals.com slash WWU to see who is available, um, and you can go on and, and acquire comp autograph tickets that way, as well as there's autograph tickets where we ask for a donation or paid autograph tickets uh, that are still available. I, I hear from a lot of fans that they – Uh, assume that guys sell out quickly and some of them do but there are still a lot of the popular players that are still available there's limited amounts of availability but there is still availability Um, the other thing that i encourage fans to go to the website to check is additions um, and subtractions sometimes um, we are able to add uh, more players. In fact, we just added two alumni today. Uh, John Costello and TJ Matthews were available for the warm-up, and they'll be signing. Uh, John will be signing on Saturday, and uh, TJ will actually be signing on Monday afternoon. So we do add players. Um, sometimes we have to make adjustments and, and schedules change, and we have to move people around. So there are times where you may have gone on and purchased and uh, for a player to sign at a particular time, and they may have moved either days or time. So we, we encourage people to keep, keep going back to the website to check availability and to check times because, because things do change uh, as, as we get closer to the event. Michael Hall is with us. It's Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up next weekend at the Hyatt Regency at the Archigan, cardinals.com slash WWU. And folks can buy those tickets right up to the date of the event, Michael right up till next weekend yes you can tickets at the event as well if they're if they're available um if you come down and and somebody may not be sold out every now and again we may have 10 15 tickets still available if you're there at the event we have uh kiosks where you don't have to uh go and 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 deal with a, a ticket uh, seller themselves you can just go to the kiosk and check out uh, quickly on your own or you can go to the ticket booth if you have more questions or you're not familiar with the process uh, you can go and, and work with someone from our ticket office as well cardinals care 2020 winter warm-up next weekend hyatt regency at the arch january 18th 19th and 20th as we are just nine days away again the website cardinals.com slash wwu what else do you want people to know michael about next weekend whether they're here in st louis traveling in uh for the event as we're now a week and a half away it's a great event. It's it's all about Cardinals baseball. Um, baseball fans all in one area. 
uh, under one roof, uh, staying warm. It's uh, typically cold out, so it's, it's a great time to come and, and hear about the team, hear about the organization, um, get an opportunity to, to ask some questions and hear, hear feedback, listen to other questions from other fans. There's, there's the autographs that we talked about at the beginning. There's uh, entertainment from the main stage, whether it be um, – we have artists that are there that that are literally uh, painting, uh, doing paintings at at the time, uh, live paintings that a lot of times will have the players autograph, and then we auction off to again raise money uh, uh, for Cardinals Care. Opportunities to to hear our president of baseball operations and hear some of the questions that fans want to ask him, or you can ask a question yourself. Hear from our GM, hear from our manager, hear from our owner and our and the president of our organization. You know, everybody will be represented throughout the entire weekend, um, hear from our, our on-air personalities from the main stage. We have breakout sessions um, on, the, on the second level, presentation rooms is what we call them, and, and different people from the organization uh, have an opportunity to give presentations to fans that want to sit and hear about maybe the marketing aspect of the organization, the player development aspect, as far as our minor leagues are concerned. Uh, even, uh, you know, Team Fredbird, they give a presentation every year. And it's just an opportunity for fans to come down, learn more about the organization, as well as, you know, obviously it's the team and the players that people are excited about and just come down and get a chance to see them, get a chance to be in the atmosphere of everybody thinking – breathing Cardinal baseball. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, and also all the information about the Cardinals caravan. We're going to be headed out next weekend at cardinals.com slash caravan. But, you know, I've got to be up on the stage. I'm up there with John Rooney right in front of Benji and Polo, and they brought the house down last year. They, they might have been, uh, I think, one of the funniest, most popular events that was up on that stage. So that's, uh, I'm glad we're not following them. I'll open for them. No, I, I'm, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. You know, they, they were awesome. I mean, they they got up there. That was their first time being at warm-up. They were just shocked how many people were there. They were really, really surprised, and, and they really enjoyed sitting up there, going back and forth, telling stories, um, interacting with the fans before and afterwards. We're really excited to have them as a part, and you're right. They're going to be up there on Saturday afternoon, right after you and John. So, you know, and, and stuff like that's going on all weekend. You know, you I know you and John will get up there and kind of banter back and forth and take some questions and, and interact with the fans. And, you know, we have people all throughout the weekend doing that. And it's just it's a lot of fun for people who have not had an opportunity to be there. And for those of you who have, have been in the past, we're looking forward to seeing you next weekend. Cardinals care winter warm-up next weekend. Go to cardinals.com slash WWU. Michael Hall, we know you're busy. Thanks for a couple of minutes. We'll see you next weekend. Thank you so much for your support. Chris Ramby, Mike Claiborne with you. It's Cardinals. Countdown to opening day presented by Ameren. And we're back with more after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Ameren on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. All right, welcome back in one final time to Cardinals. Countdown to opening day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you, Mike Claiborne as well. Cardinals' official 2020 calendar features the signature artwork of team photographers, the club's spring training and regular season schedules, plus four pages of money-saving coupons. Pick up your copy at St. Louis area retailers or call 314-345-1120. We'll give one away right now to caller 5 at 531-1120-314-531-1120. Thanks to Mike Claiborne, John Rooney. Thank you also to Buck Showalter, Rick Hummel, 
and Michael Hall. Ben Boyd's our executive producer. Mike Anderson back in our studios. And thanks to Ann Carroll from the Cardinals Radio Network. I'm Chris Raby. We'll talk to you next week for Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren right here on the Cardinals Radio Network.